Three, two, one, here we go. Rain Man's Take Podcast. Observations on the world we live in. My take on current events and other topics of interest. Also, interviews with some really cool people. So let's get the conversation going. It's a rain man. Just want to give a quick shout out to everybody watching. Thank you very much. I know you're going to find this next interview thought provoking. I enjoy spending time with people like my next guest and getting into more detail about the subject matter. And I know you appreciate that as well. So go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe. That way we can continue bringing you great content in the future. So thanks again for being part of Rain Man's Take and enjoy the interview. Hey everybody, it's a rain man. I want to introduce my guest, Christian Bannerman. Christian, how are you doing today, brother? Thank God, I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful day in San Diego. That's right, sure is. I wanted to have Christian on. Um, he and I have become pretty good friends over the last uh, year and a half when he and his family moved out from New York City. And uh, last week we had him and his wife over for dinner and we got to talking a little bit about um, Ghana, Africa, which is where Christian's from. And I figured I don't know anything about Africa and I'm sure a lot of people out there don't either. So what better way to learn than to, uh, than to talk to somebody who, who was born and raised in Ghana and then moved to the United States. So Christian, I appreciate it, man. I'm really looking forward to this. My man, Brian, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I, I walk and breathe Ghana. So you got nobody but the best in the house. You know I what it. I mean? So, I yeah. But well, well, let's, let, let's start right. Uh, give me a little bit of your background when, when you were born and then when you emigrated to the United States. Absolutely. My name is Dr. Christian Bannerman. Um, I was born and raised in Ghana, to be specific, uh, the Shanti region. Uh, this is the second largest city in, in Ghana, which is called Kumasi. And, um, you know, shortly after that, you know, my parents weren't married. You know, my dad is from a very elite society in Ghana and my mom, not so much. And so uh, this is, my, my dad was in Kumasi working and with, with his brother, my dad was a Greek economist. Okay. And he had met my mom in the bank and they ended up hooking up and, and I was born. Um, shortly after that, about three years later, uh, because my dad was in Accra, which is where my dad's part of the family is from, um, my dad actually wanted to bring me to Accra. And I never knew the story until I got older, where my dad said, look, I'm going to take Frimpong, which is my Ghanaian name, to Accra um, to hang out for the weekend. And that was it. <laughs> he, never, oh, he, no never, he, never, he never brought me back to, to my mom. And because my dad was from a prominent family mm -hmm. and had money and had start, start, you know, status, uh, my mom didn't really have any, you know, that much power to fight him yeah. off. So long story short is I ended up growing up in Accra um, on the university campus with my, bro my, my father's brother. Because, you know, I guess at the time my father was busy doing all types of stuff. So <laughs> um, I ended up living on the University of Ghana, Legon campus. Um, you know, grew up, went to school there. 
And um, shortly after high school, um, my mom had then moved to London, met my stepdad. They had moved to United States, New York to be okay. specific. And so when I was done with high school, which is essentially most of the time boarding school, um, my mom, you know, filed for me to come to New York. So when did you get to the States? So I got to New York in, uh, I remember the date, November 12, 1992. Okay, <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, did you uh, do boarding school in London? I or? did boarding schools at the time with public schools. Okay, So, you know, most of the guys during that era went to boarding school. Got it. And uh, Accra that you keep referring to is the main uh, city along the coast of the of the Bay of uh, Guinea. And Ghana, Ghana. Ghana, excuse yes. me. Um, uh, it's the Bay of Ghana right there. So they call it the Gulf of Guinea. Gulf of Guinea, okay, which that's is right. part of uh, the Mediterranean Sea, yep. which feeds into the Atlantic. Okay. It's all one big body of water. Yeah, depending on the, what geographic area you are. Yeah. Um, you could call it Gulf of Guinea, you could call it the Mediterranean Sea. Um, yeah, but it's right on the coast, Accra. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so in the little bit of uh, research I was doing before this uh, conversation, so obviously the whole coast of West Africa, um, all the way down to, down to South Africa, uh, in the 1500s was, um, explored and sort of taken over by the Dutch. And then the Dutch eventually, uh, ceded it to the English and up until 1958. Is that is 57. It 57. Okay. Yes. That was the, that was in, the independence. independence. Yes. Yes. From England, from, from, from United, United Kingdom. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so they, the, the UK had controlled Ghana basically from about 1600 to 1957, something along those. Yes. The first, so. the first guys that came in actually to the country were Portuguese. Okay. And um, they were there for a very short time. And then after that, the Dutch, and then after that, um, starting from, I think, the 1800s up until maybe 1901, um, till independence was uh, the British. Got it. And, uh, and the other thing I was noticing, uh, primarily in Ghana, along the coast, both, uh, both the Portuguese, the Dutch, I guess, and the British, but primarily the Portuguese and the Dutch, because they were the first ones there, built all sorts of fortresses along the, along the coastline there that are still there today. Nope. Absolutely. Um, the, the, actually, it's funny. I just took a friend of mine to Ghana and took him to uh, Cape Coast Castle, where there were a lot of slaves and you had the slaves left to come to the New World. And he couldn't believe the apartments that those guys built in the 1800s. I mean, the governor left his family in, 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 the, in, the, in England right. and had his own pad. I mean, it's up to this day, years, 400 years later, th this place looks lavish. Really? I mean, you wouldn't believe how well these guys were living. <laughs> but um, to, to, to your point, absolutely. Um, a lot of those castles, uh, slave castles and, and forts are still in existence. Yeah. Big uh, historical pieces of the country, just to remind us of what the country has been to, yeah. through both good and bad yeah and they still exist yeah it's amazing still and exist. uh and and primarily um what the dutch were looking for before the actually the european slave trade started was gold and uh that's still today it's known for its gold mines as well as timber are your big yes natural resources absolutely right? yeah. so ghana ghana is is an irony um and not just ghana but west and africa as a whole 
Um, it's a rich, poor country. So you can't, a rich, poor continent. It's the richest continent in the world, but we can't get our act together to try to convert those raw materials yeah. to riches. But Ghana specifically has um, gold. We have timber, we have manganese. We have recently found oil. Wow. Um, cocoa. Three. Okay. Cocoa, yeah. chocolate. Yeah. So uh, as far as natural resources, I mean, we, we, there's nothing short of natural resources yeah. in Ghana. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Ghana in 57 gets its independence from England or from the UK. And that was kind of the first, you were the, one of the first countries to gain independence from the UK. And then all of a sudden it kind of trickled and they all started getting it. Was that a, was that a peaceful transition? Right. So Ghana, um, actually, they mentioned Ghana as the model colony. Sorry. Yeah. Ghana. Um, Ghana. Sorry about that little uh, technical. No, no, no worries. It's all, it's, it's all good, man. <laughs> we, we live in that age, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Ghana was the model colony um, during those times not only because of the peaceful transition that Ghana had um, through the, the independence, but also when the British attempted to gain certain areas with regions within, the, the, within Ghana, the tribes at the time actually came together and tried to help each other to, withhold, you know, to, yeah. to keep some of the land and to fight the British off. Hmm. Right. What are we talking like in the early 1900s? This happened. No, or? this is right before. Gotcha. Um, you know, right before independence. Got it. Okay. You know, so just the cohesiveness of the different tribes. By the way, Ghana has almost 15 to 20, probably even more, different tribes where okay. there are people in Ghana that would speak languages that I would never be able to speak or understand. Yeah. It's almost like a different country. Yeah. Okay. So they before independence. Um, it was noted as the, the model colony in terms of how, you know, how we govern ourselves and, and how they, they were cohesive. But then the smooth transition just made it a beacon to the world and to the rest of the West, uh, not only the West African countries, but to the rest of Africa. Yeah. Um, Ghana was uh, the first sub-Saharan African country to attain its independence in 1957, March 6, 1957. And it was orchestrated by a gentleman by the name of Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah was a pan-Africanist who, you know, studied in the United States. He, he went to Lincoln University. Um, he was a Republican and a Democrat. He was Phi Beta Sigma. He was a Freemason. And so this man was a man who was ahead of his time because he had to learn everything he can to bring it back to Africa because yeah. his whole thing was the needed to be an African personality. And if the continent of Africa could not be united, then the independence of Ghana meant nothing. Okay. So he was a socialist and a, and a Democrat right. at the same time. And uh, because of that, he ruffled a few feathers, obviously the West. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but, but, as far as your question goes, yes, the first independent country, um, the beacon for independence. And after that, 
he helped other countries to um, also attain independence. Yeah, um, and and that that whole dream of Pan Africa, uh, probably I'm sure still is a work in progress because it seems like it's pretty disconnected right now. But what one of the things I found fascinating what you just talked about there is that seems to be the model for most uh, major figures. So for instance, Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam studied in, studied in Paris, uh, I think had spent some time in the United States, but he wanted to go back to Vietnam and, uh, and um, combine it to, for, one, for one Vietnam. And so um, almost, the, almost the identical path that- uh, Kwame Nkrumah was taking, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They say, if you wanna go far, um, you go together, and if you want to go fast, you go alone, right? Mm. Or, you know, another proverb that we have in Ghana and Africa is, you know, it's easy to break one broomstick, but when you have several broomsticks, it's almost impossible to break them. <clears throat> and I think that 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 is uh, goes that concept goes in line with what he was thinking. And it, although you just made a point that some things seem to be scattered now, there is a big movement now. Is it really? Huge movement for Pan-Africanism. And where is that? Is that starting in Ghana or is that starting in South Africa, moving north? What's the... There, there is different countries are pretty much, it's almost like the 60s with the civil rights. And, uh, you know, the, 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 there tends to be movements yeah. in certain eras. And the era we are in now is um, economic independence and progress. Yeah. And because the West has been very good in narrating Africa so negatively. When you go on YouTube, there are several, several YouTube channels of Africans made by Africans portraying good stories and, okay. and the developments that's going on, not only in Ghana, but entire Africa yeah. and trying to get the diaspora to come to get to Africa and, and help develop Africa. You know, all these continents, Europe, United States, they all went through a developing phase. Right. And I think now, um, not only Ghana, but West Africa, there's actually a gentleman called Woody Meyer. Um, if, if, you, if you go on YouTube, there's a gentleman called Woody Meyer who is changing. He, he's a chap that was born in the village, went, um, got first class and got a scholarship to China. And um, he was supposed to be an aeronautical engineer finished first class yeah and i guess in this attempt to try to get some chinese ladies began to do youtube to 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 be comical and to be funny so that he could get the ladies and his parents just couldn't really understand why he would do you know go through all these studies and end up doing youtube yeah so his dad called him and said look if you're gonna do something with youtube fine because dad got angry for a while and said look why don't you change the narrative of Africa? So he moved back home and started doing these videos of Africa, not just Ghana, but Africa yeah. and how people are living. And, and the fact that you really don't need to come out to the West to make it. Yeah. You could be in Africa and make it. And, yeah. and be, through him, it's got about a million views. And through him, a lot of people are moving back. Not only Africans, yeah. but, but the diaspora, they're moving back. They are able to create businesses that they weren't they wouldn't be able to create here in, in no way shape or form but they're over there and and you know another thing that helped or that's helping this movement is the year of return uh, the president 
present president of Ghana, um, Nane Kufuado, um, signed a, it wasn't a treaty, but it was um, a move, uh, sort of like a, a year of return for the diaspora to come back home. It's 400 years of slavery. Um, black people all over yeah. the world are invited to Ghana yeah. to come and see Ghana to try to help develop. And it, it, I mean, we had stars. I mean, Beyonce, Jay-Z, hmm. yeah. all these guys, all these celebrities came and in an effort to try to help promote Africa and the continent. So um, the movement is going on. It's it, 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 it got died down for a little bit because of several coups that happened, yeah. military coups. But Ghana, again, um, the most educative class in Africa um, went through a very smooth um, transition in terms of political yeah. power. And we've had, knock on wood, no issues. We've had free and fair elections. And I must say, you know, I'm proud. It's definitely not a perfect situation, yeah. but I'm proud of the democracy that has been yeah. um, shown in yeah. the country. Uh, do me a favor, just slide a little bit more. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so okay. when you're looking at me, okay, perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Let's keep that in mind. That way, all right. we, yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We make sure we get all this. Absolutely. Well, all right. So, um, by the way, this is amazing. This whiskey. I, I don't know what I poured, but <laughs> it's flowing. Well, it's uh, a, a uh, one of my buddies who's a uh, uh, in DC. One of his friends is the distiller, so it's a micro distillery in DC. So, That's beautiful. I yeah. like to get a bottle, man. Yeah, I like so, the support. There you go. I'll, 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 we'll it's, we'll discuss uh, afterwards. It's, it's juicy. <laughs> all right so when what year were you born in ghana i was born in 1974 74 okay i, I know i don't look that i don't look it but <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh all right so um you come from a, a a very well established family on your dad's side were they involved with the government during the during the transition or yes yeah, so um indirectly indirectly the bannermans i'll give you a, a little history about the Bannermans and Ghana. James Bannerman was the original main figure that started the Bannerman clan in, in Ghana. Okay. Um, his father was a military man from Scotland and his mom was unknown locally. And James Bannerman was a rich merchant at the time. And, and he, he was uh, actually ended up being the left, Lieutenant um, Governor of Accra, of the Gold Coast, not okay. Accra, of the Gold Coast, which was which is now Ghana. Okay. And James Bannerman helped to orchestrate. And at the time, there are two main tribes in Ghana. And, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but there are two major tribes. I mean, there's the, the several others, but the Ga, which is where my dad is from, right by the coast. Yep. And that Shanti, Kans, and Shanti, which is um, inland a little bit, Shantis were very strong. They were warriors, and at one point in time, they wanted to conquer the land that the guys had. And so James Bannerman, even though he was uh, British, um, half caste, but mostly British because Dad was British, yep. helped. Okay, he and the. Um, they won because they had a lot more weapons right. and a lot more people. And the concession was he had captured at the time that Shantis had a the king, almost like the king of England. We had the Asantehini 
Asante Hene means Hene means king, and Asante means the area. So okay. the king of Asante. Yep. And he captured his wife and two daughters. So the concession was he was going to marry the daughter of the Asante Hene. Bannerman was. Yes. He was going to cut. He was going to marry the the daughter. And merged both the. And 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 give back the wife because he captured a wife and two daughters. Yeah. So he gave back the wife, and then kept two daughters. One of the other daughters married into another family that's related, the Richter family. Okay, so that is the lineage of my family. Obviously, I could trace his his children, his children, and and all of those guys were all trained in Europe and mm -hmm. England. I, it was unheard of at the time. Yeah. Right? So mostly lawyers, mostly doctors. And so up until, you know, the independence, even though they weren't directly involved, they were part of the people that moved the country ahead. You yeah. know, they, they were lawyers, they were doctors. Yep. Um, you know, one of my uncles was the first board certified obstetrics and gynecologist. Um, in, in Ghana. My, my grandmother was the first certified midwife in Ghana. So they they were part of you know progressing the country yeah. forward. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, all right, we're gonna pause it right there real quick. So just actually just slide your body so that that you're so that you're in front of the can slide to your left so okay. that when you're talking to me, okay. you're still talking into it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So so okay. what I'm what I'm worried about okay. is you you start looking at me like I this. See, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Got you. Got so you. if you need to kind of slide yeah, that actually, way. I just I'll just hold it. Perfect. Yeah, okay. I just hold that it. way, that way we're yeah. making sure that yeah, it's absolutely it's, because my voice, my voice tends to be a little tenor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. all right get back into it here um all right so obviously uh the bannerman is a long-standing uh family within um within ghana and so bringing it back to the 50s when we're getting ready to transfer over obviously you you obviously had family that were doctors but i would assume you also had family who were in politics as well that oh yeah 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 we had we had lawyers we had um family members that went into politics we had um uh, most of the bannermans were were either lawyers or doctors which is kind of funny because in that era i guess that was a profession that most people respected and most people felt like you needed but you know we had pilots um we we uh, you know i mean several industries had um had the name and 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 we're leaders yeah several yeah. several abandonments i mean um again not directly involved with handing power over to Ghanaians, but once the power is handed over to Ghanaians, obviously um that that educative aspect of of my family they were involved in a lot of a lot of the um, progression of of the country and and so I would assume, and this is this is typical in a lot of these type of situations where, okay, the English leave, they then leave, they had set up some infrastructure in terms of governance. Yes. But I would assume once they left, there was a little bit of a power vacuum. Because if I'm if I read correctly, in the 60s and the 70s, weren't there several coups and military, military yes, dictatorships? Yes, yes. So you know this, and maybe you don't know this, but no country or developing country, well, even developed countries acts isolated, yeah. right? The world superpower is always involved <laughs> in anything that goes on in every every country. Overtly or covertly? Both, Yeah. right? Overtly, mostly diplomatic, 
covertly mostly CIA, right? Yeah. So um, it's not without saying that when you have a, I, I don't I don't want to use the word paradigm, but when you have them, you, you want to promote democracy, mm-hmm. and and you have elements that make you fear you're the superpower and you have elements that make you fear that look there's a movement going on that might be slightly socialist yeah and remember the cold war was going on too yeah so when you have people that are also lacing with cuba and with russia and even people within the country tend to start acting iffy yeah so even if there's no power vacuum it's still a power struggle yeah because, you know, obviously, if you have the British that are in a country and now they hand independence over to the Ghanaians, what's going to happen naturally? What's going to happen naturally is you're going to have people that say, well, you know, I didn't really, smart people, I, I really like the British being here. Yeah. Because we, you know, the, the Ghanaian city was one-to-one with the pound sterling and we had a better life. And then you have other people that would say, well, you know, I don't think so. I mean, these guys have come in and taken a lot of the things that we have in our country yeah. and exploited us. Yeah. I think we could run our own affairs. So that argument in itself is enough to create a type of... <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. It's absolutely fine. A type of struggle that is going to undermine yeah. the, the big picture of the situation. And I think a lot of times, in addition to other things that were going on in the country, um, people... You, you, you can't overthrow a president in a developing world without the help of, a, of an outside force, yeah. right? Yep. You, you need the intelligence yep. and you need the manpower. You need to change people's minds. You need to influence people. Yep. So what is the biggest way to influence somebody? <laughs> what is the biggest way? If, if I had to influence you, Fear. what is the fastest way? Uh, yeah, threatening. Okay, that's that's one. Fear is one. But what would be the most? Oh, money. Yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. So you know, you you create a situation where you're able to supply people with money, and and the and the tools to overthrow. You know, unfortunately, Kwame Nkrumah um, tried. They almost assassinated him almost six times. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and part of the reason also was um, when the British left, and we had. Um, we had issues with the way he was governing, especially people who were very pro-democratic where they, they saw some socialist right. um, tendencies and also the fact that he had almost planted into people's mind that he was gonna be a one-term president, just like Mugabe. Gotcha. People started getting iffy yeah. and antsy. So he got, he, I guess they said he got poisoned, you know, by the CIA is what people are saying. You know, they, they, he got poisoned by the CIA. He attempted to kill him six times. He never died. And then he ended up dying. I guess he got poisoned and, and whatnot. But that, that, and then that started the overthrow of several um, presidents, yeah. you know, military, military regimes. And, you know, anytime you have a military regime, that's never good, right? Yeah. Because... Um, now we are not dealing with the democracy and, and, and now the next person wants to overthrow him with a gun yeah. and people die. And, and so that really set the country back 
I'll say centuries. Yeah. Yeah. Centuries. It's, uh, it's, well, I mean, the CIA has been doing that shit for. And <laughs> hey, CIA, yeah, if, you, if, if you're listening to this, I'm not, I wasn't there. I wasn't born. I'm not saying that <laughs> yeah, you I mean, did it, it's, it's, but this is what, yeah. this is what I was, I, I was told yeah. and, and I heard uh, yeah. as far as the facts, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but this is, this is what, hey, you know it, what I'm saying? I mean, you could, you could go down the list. Iran in the early seventies, right? Up until even today, a few years ago, right. in, in Gaddafi Europe, so. and yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's 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 the it's the it's that the great the grand chessboard of geopolitics. Yes, and, and, absolutely. Know, and and when you're a superpower, rightfully so, you want to have your hands in in everything that's going on in the world because. The next thing you know, whatever you're not paying attention to, yep. is what's going to explode to come take yep. over your power. Yep. So, I mean, if I was a superpower, I mean, you do, I, this, you do the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, and that's and and you know that's a direct uh, th a threat to somebody who's trying to absolutely uh, to make their own way. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. You know? It's uh, it, it, so all right. So this is and and you know it's it's just. Uh, I think that's the story of modern Africa right now is as soon as these, as soon as they decided to separate themselves from the superpower, the UK, they immediately look in the minds of the other powers that are battling as easy pickings. And so they're constantly, constantly going in there. And, and actually, um, that was one thing I wanted to ask you, I assume you still have family over there. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you go back often? Or? I was just in Ghana, I was just in Ghana in March. I have several projects going on in Ghana. I actually do a, a mission mission um, work. Mm -hmm. So I do mission work pretty much all over. But in 2018, we did some mission work there. Um, you know, my goal is to try to bring as many people as I can to show them how beautiful the country yeah. is. Yeah. But um, yes, I do have family still in Ghana, and uh, you know, I'm 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 half. My heart is half here and half at home. You know, yeah. it's where I was born. It's where I was raised, and you know, there's no place like home. Yep. You know, and so I uh, I enjoy it. It's not perfect, but I enjoy it when I go go yep. back there. And uh, you know, one day hopefully I'll be able to bring you over there. I, I mean, that's that's the way to do it. Is go with somebody who uh, yeah who who knows that. Yeah, the I just took a frat, my one of my frat brothers. I took him there in March. Okay. And uh, it was a fantastic time. Yeah. Took him around. We we visited almost four or five cities in one week. He was blown away. Um, he had a really, really good time, yeah. you know? Yeah, fascinating. Um, now, your wife, is she also from Ghana? Yeah, so my wife was, my wife's parents were born and raised in Ghana. Gotcha. My wife was uh, born in Germany, raised in Miami, but has been to Ghana many, many times. Yeah. And then when we got married in 2010, um, we started going you know, try to, I try to teach her to, you know, teach her the, the ways and how to drive in Ghana. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she knows I was showing her, actually, it's funny, I was showing her a YouTube on Ghana. I couldn't recognize the place. She's like, well, that's Medina. That's that. I'm like, what? And then the narrator, narrator said, yeah, that's, that's Medina. And I'm like, <laughs> totally, totally different. She, she knows the place more than I do. That's classic. You know, so she, you know, she identifies as being Ghanaian. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of times in a Ghanaian household, even if you're born outside of Ghana, you end up being Ghanaian because everything that's going on in the household is Ghanaian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, you gotta love the the melting pot aspect of it. She she sounds like she's from the United States. Absolutely. And, uh, and absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So. She 
you know, she's, uh, um, you know, she is the new, is the new melting pot. Yep. Is a new yep. melting pot. And, and there's several people like that, that, you know, they, they actually would speak the language better than I do, you know, because the parents said, look, you're going to speak only Ashanti, only God at home. Yeah. And so you have somebody born in Germany, <laughs> they speak German and Ashanti. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so there's 20 or so uh, tribes in Ghana. Are they, do they get along? Or is it, is it like uh, each tribe sends, sends one of their representatives to the government for Ghana? How does that work? Yeah, so we have a traditional council and the traditional council is pretty much made up of most of the paramount chiefs and, and the kings of, of, of different tribes. But one thing I'll say, the question you asked me is if they fight each other. Ghana is a very peaceful country. Yeah. Very, we haven't had a civil war, knock on wood, ever. Yeah. You know, we've had transitions of government smoothly. Yeah. Um, you know, since 1992. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, it's a very peaceful country. Which is surprising because you look at a place like Afghanistan, which is basically a failed state. Yes. And that's because the warlords can't stand each other. Right. And then they only get together to, to get rid of the, the power that's trying to come in. And as soon as they're gone, it goes right back to, you know, you look at a place like that and you're basically watching what it was like a thousand years ago. Right. But that's not the case. In- no, 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 no. I, I mean, one thing I'll say about Ghana is Ghana is a civilized society. We are a peaceful society. We are, there's a lot of pride in nationalism. And there's a lot of pride in the Ghanaian personality. And so there are certain things that the nation as a whole would not allow to occur in the country. And one of those things is peace. If there is any threat to the peace of the state, um, the authorities take it very, very seriously. And so knock on wood, you know, are there little fights and little conflicts and little arguments? Yes, they are. But big, you know, wars that would, you know, kill people and create an unstable society is very much frowned upon. You know, when you walk on the streets in Ghana, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, It's expected of you. That's, and that, that's, there's obviously some level of this because I read about this and that is a lot of the right around Ghana are going through some serious shit right now. And that, and it's, and it's amazing to hear that Ghana is kind of right in the, right in the vicinity of all that sort of stuff that's going on, but it's never, has, has it spilled over into their, into the no. borders? No, no. no. Uh, again, um, being the most educative administrative class in, in Africa, um, for a long time, it's been, uh, it's something educate and, and all these things really go back to education, because yeah. when you have a society that's educated, um, then the leaders are able to curb certain, certain um, mindsets. No, it's not perfect. Yeah. But I think that because of the education of the administrative class, we are able to maintain peace in the country. 
um, yes, you know, Togo, Burkina Faso, Benin, I mean, you know, and, and we also help other African countries as well. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's again, I'm, I'm not saying we have the perfect country, but I think that for the most part, for all the things that a country like that has been through, um, you're right. You know, there's never been a civil war. Um, we, we, we just know like genocide, massive genocide yeah. and, and things like that. How big is, how, how many, what's the population? Um, Ghana is around, uh, I would say about 20 to 30 million oh, it is. people okay. here. Okay. Now, when I left, I think it was 8 million in 1992. Really? It's almost doubled, which is why you see they say Africa is the future. Yeah. Because majority of that population is between um, 18 and 40. Yeah. You know, and then you look at places like Japan who have a negative birth rate, yes. and we're we're quickly getting there ourselves with the, yeah. with the United States. So yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, that's fascinating, and that and that's you know, it's I, I I kind of understand the big picture historical events that kind of made West Africa what it is, but it's 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 I love getting the boots on the ground. Absolutely, because nobody talks about that sort of thing. You know? No, 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 and and, and that's that's. You know, and that is why I was mentioned that guy with Imaya, and obviously he's not the only one, but there are other several um, several YouTubers yeah. that are doing the same thing because for a long time, for a long time and until today, you can get a narrative on Africa that is positive in, in, in America or even in the UK. Like, where do you go? When you listen, when you turn on the channel, yeah. unless you go seeking for it, you're not going to find it. But again, I understand is, uh, you know, when you're a superpower, you have more important things to worry about than to promote a, a continent like Africa. <laughs> you understand? Except when the Chinese start pouring all over it to get the, yeah. to get the natural resources. Yes, yes. That's, that's a huge problem right now. Yeah. Are you, are, are you seeing that in Ghana? Ghana? 100%. Really? They are mining gold. They are going to the gold mines illegally. Oh, really? Pay, paying off, paying off government officials and going into the gold mines they call it galamse galamse which is basically illegal mining wow and they are going in and 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 just they are just that's unbelievable yes they're ruthless man and uh what is the what's the general population think of that oh it's frowned upon yeah but no, but, but I mean, but, are, they, are they pissed? Are they like, get the Chinese out of here, but there's not much we can do type of thing? What, uh, what's the, what are we, where, where's the mindset for that? Right, again, so it's not all Chinese people that are doing that. Yeah. But, you know, the effects of, of illegal mining just goes deep because what happens now is you have rivers that are being contaminated. Yep. Right. Yep. And then it affects the environment. It affects the tourism, it affects everything. So on that aspect, I mean, if you want to illegally mine because, you know, you paid somebody off, fine. But, you know, when they come in, they bring their own people. Right. Yeah. They don't hire the locals. Right. The locals, you know, there might be a few locals, but most of them are bringing in their own people. Yeah. They are doing this illegal stuff. They are messing up the environment. So the general population frowns upon, upon that, but 
it's again such a peaceful country we, we're not of the mindset of okay get every chinese person out of here right. but if you catch somebody that is doing something that is illegal they have to be dealt dealt with yeah you know and i think that's where most of the population um that's the mindset you know you know either you come in do it rightfully hire Ghanaians to yeah. do the work so that the country can benefit yeah or you know do it do it legally yeah you know so um, for the most part, I think it's more about those isolated and specific instances where um, these people are coming in and they are doing bad, bad, bad things, and they need to be isolated. <laughs> and, uh, All right. So, uh, so when you when you go back there to do um, to do the missionary work, uh, you said you got family back there, friends back there. What um, do you have? Any of your family members are they currently in in the political? arena right now or that are kind of helping to navigate where Ghana's going in the future? Um, some of my cousins, uh, you know, I have a, a cousin who works for the attorney general. Um, I have several, but I'm, uh, you know, we, we tend to be very industrious and, pri and private yeah. more so than politically inclined these days. Yep. So even though they, they are not directly involved in the government, a lot of them are doing their own things that yeah. are helping to you know move the country forward well and quite frankly i my personal opinion is the government right is not the best person to be doing Absol that. absolutely and absolutely that's, that's well. I, I believe with you I, I believe in private enterprise yep. yep and so i think that um that's the the future and i also think that um, i mean for us growing up uh, most of our you know our, the, your uncles and aunties when private industries and and they, you know they, they 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 did their thing privately but still impacted the yeah. the, the country yeah. so so what are what are you doing what what are your what's your mission work talk to me a little bit about that right so <clears throat> sorry i'm on the board of a non-profit called yetloto.org and yetloto is involved in health, education, and nutrition of children that are less fortunate in the entire Africa. And the founder of Yeloto... Spell, spell that real quick. Y-E-L-O-T-O. Yeloto.org. Dot org, yes. Dot org, okay. So Yeloto is founded by a Nigerian colleague of mine that I met um, during medical school. Okay. And Yeloto, um, I think it's Yemi... Loli, those are initials of his kids' names. Okay, right, nice. And so uh, I got involved with it because he said he had called me out of the blue and said, "Look, I want to go to Ghana and do some mission work, and I don't know anybody to talk to. And you're the only person I know." I said, "Well, good." I'm, I'm, and so he told me about it. I said, "I'm going to be involved." I didn't, you know, I mean, I always thought of starting my own thing, but right. why? start your own thing when you could partner up with somebody exactly yeah so i went with him we went to the orphanage um we brought so we reach out to orphanages we ask the principal of the orphanage what they need what are the things that they need computers school yep. school um, yep. stationery and this is our own money so we have about five or six professionals that are doctors and pharmacists and we put our we pull our money together okay and we pay our own way and so we go we go to the orphanage 
we throw a party. It's usually during Christmas, so we throw a Christmas party. After that, we donate the um, items to them. Then we go to the hospitals. And in, in Ghana and, and most of these African countries, when you go to the hospital and you don't have money to pay for your bill, they hold you in the hospital. They hold you hostage. Oh, no way. Yeah, so you have lots of babies. Um, so what, what we, are, we, we are interested in babies. So we go and we go to the hospital and we say, look, we have a budget for $6,000 or $5,000, yeah. which, which goes a long way, yeah. a long way. And then we go to the head of pediatrics and, and um, neonatology yep. and, and we meet with them, we talk with them, and then they identify people that need, that I need, and essentially we pay for all their bills. And then, um, yeah, then we, you know, we, we end up, uh, you know, going to the radio station and talking about the work that we do. It's usually yeah. four or five days and then we are out. Is, uh, is there any plan to open that up to private uh, donations? Like donors? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, you, is, that, is that set up on the, so if somebody yeah, wants a five to go. It's a 501C. Okay. So if somebody wants to go on to that website, right. if, it, it, what is it again? Yeloto.org. Yeloto.org. Y-E-L-O-T-O.org. Dot org. Okay. And so people can go there and if they want to participate and be a part of yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You nice. know, I actually in 2018 when I went to Ghana, I brought three doctors for me who were interested in in, in helping. And 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 the the reason why I wanted to be part of this is it's not I have to go and go work as an emergency physician, but it's actually using stuff that I've earned yeah. to help people, oh, which yeah. It's, it's a win-win situation, you know? Um, so the mothers are very, very grateful and uh, selfishly feels good. Yeah. Selfishly feels good. So um, in, in December, we are planning to go to Rwanda oh, really? and do the same thing. You know, as you know, Rwanda is one of the cleanest cities in the world. Um, Kigali. Huh, okay. One of the cleanest cities in the world. I did not know that. Yes. So we, we plan to go to Rwanda in December from 8th to the 12th. I may have to do one of these with you, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, December is far out where yeah. if you wanted to join <laughs> us, absolutely. Uh, You're welcome. Um, 100, always welcome. Interesting. To, yeah. No, I, stuff, I mean, it would, other than, you know, obviously you're doing great things. It would be fascinating to see that part of the world. Look, uh, again, um, because of COVID and what happened with COVID, most of the population and most of the world have realized that we, we are living now. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I lost a, a bunch of people during COVID. And so if you want to do something, just do it. Nike. <laughs> just do it. I love it. I love it. So, um, all right, getting back to uh, when you go over there, uh, everybody knows, obviously, you're coming from the United States. Um, I've always, I've always heard this. And I've never really kind of understood it to, if, if it's even a thing. But uh, do the Africans look at the African Americans when they come over to try to help? Do they look at that skeptically, or are they welcoming of that? Right. So you hit right on the nail. You got to watch Woody Maya. You got to go on YouTube. W-O-D-E-M-A-Y-A, Woody Meyer. Okay. He is very instrumental in bridging the gap between the diaspora. And not just African-Americans, but Africans like me 
that I've been in the United States for almost 27 years, yeah. right? Coming back home. But the narrative right now is bridging the gap. That's the narrative. Yeah. Back then, there was a little bit of friction. Oh, you sold us, you sold us. Um, you know, Africans are looking at African-Americans like you guys are lazy. African-Americans are looking at Africans like we can't trust you. Okay, but once you get down to the foundation, you realize these are one people. Yeah. And in order for the continent to move and progress, we got to work as one people. So yes, back in the day, and there might be, and, and the dad was speaking. Still what I'm saying. Right. And, and the narrative that most people are, you know, when you're in Ghana, when you're not, for instance, when you're in Ghana, all you see on TV is ghettos, black Americans and ghettos. And, 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 oh, and really? I mean, if, the, if, even if you see it. Yeah. Right. So like CNN or is it not even CNN? Right. Just, well, okay. CNN, you, okay. you, you, you're not going to see good African-Americans. Really? Doing stuff. Really? It's very rare. Oh man, that's crazy. Very, very rare. Yeah. Right. And then the same thing here in, in, in America. Oh, if, you're, from, if you're black and you go on TV and you're watching, the only thing you know about Africa is people are starving. You got babies with big bellies that are hungry. Yeah. They're not going to show you a guy like me who's, who came here, who's a doctor, who's going back and doing missions, or they're not going to show you a guy who's... In, who's and in, I'm not going to call him out too badly, but okay. he drove up at a pretty sick ride. Okay. So anyway, continue, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, one of my vices is you know nice cars I, you hey, know i, I can't it. help it but i'm just saying that which is why this guy that I, I mentioned this guy's name because the narrative that he's putting out there is is promoting the continent yeah and it's amazing when you watch how many people have moved from the West. And what is that number? Is it, is it millions? Is it a hundred thousand? Is it, I, is it growing? Is, it's growing. Is it really? It's growing. I yeah. can't, I can't quantify it. I, I'm not. Why? Cause it's classified. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I, yeah, I the I information I'm getting is from YouTube. I haven't really yeah. gone to the government to say, can I see how many people have yeah. repatriated back? And, and, but anytime you look at YouTube, it's funny because my wife is like, dude, why, why are you, why are you always watching Ghana? What, are you, move, are you planning to leave us and move over there? I'm like, nah, man. I just like, there's nothing. Yeah, but you go back enough, you might as well know what the hell's going on. Right, and there's and there's nothing else going on on TV. I, that's you turn on TV, there's nothing going. They're doing giving you reruns, or you're watching Fox or CNN, which is totally like bipolar. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just like, I love it. Yeah, so I just, I just watch positive narratives you know I, this is like almost it's a secret but when i moved to united states i didn't want anything to do with medicine because of my family history of and, and medicine there's so many dr bannermans and they've done so many great things i was like i'm just gonna be another freaking dr bannerman so actually i, I was thinking of of going back and running as president you know oh, yeah? yeah this is how much i love the country wait like like this is in when i came and i was in college really 
Yes, uh, you know, so I took the, you know, history of President the, Bannerman. Yes, President President Bannerman, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, well, I came to my senses and realized, well, this is not a great idea. <laughs> but but the fact is that you're still Ghanaian at heart. Ghanaian. Ghanaian, Ghanaian, Ghanaian at heart. And, um, and, and I'm never going to knock America down because America has created a life for me that, you know what, if I hadn't come to America, I'm not sure I would have this life, yeah. you know, so America, special place in my heart, but home is home. Yeah. Yeah. Home is home. And can both of those things exist over in Ghana? I, what I mean by that is can, uh, Ghanaians who have been educated in the West, have lived over here, who knows what it's like to live in a free, amazing society. Can they bring that and can that be transposed to Ghana? 110%. Really? My uncle, um, who's also a very well-known neurologist, Dr. Alfred Bannerman, you should yeah. look him up. In 1950, he's 88 years old, actually. And when I went to Ghana in March, I was hanging out with him and all his friends that were, in Ghana. Yes, were ambassadors and really prominent guys, yeah. all in their 80s, you know, drinking whiskey, Remy. We're hanging out. They always hang out every Wednesday at this one spot. And he invited me. And, you know, because my dad died when I was very young, and a lot of these uncles were almost like paternal and, and role yep. models. Yep. And it's funny, he worked in New York for many, 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 many years. Okay. And um, I remember I was training in New York and one of the patients like, you know, Dr. Panama, you guys look alike, you know? But uh, so yeah, it's my uncle, but this, the bottom line is he lived in New York. He was a prominent neurologist and he went back to Ghana. He built a magnificent house in the hills of Ghana. Yeah. He lives there with his wife and he's having a great time in his eighties. Yeah. Okay, if you look him up, Alfred Bannerman, he's uh, in 1957. 56 right, right okay. around the time of the uh, independence he was he was one of several students from the entire developing world to come to united states and talk about race relations really oh very cool yes if, you talk about that a little bit if get if, into that a little bit well if you google him his name is alfred nini bannerman and you know, I tell you, you know, our family, we had a lot of educated people because right. we, we, we traveled to the, to, to the States and the United States, um, yeah. United Kingdom. But he won the, I guess you had to write an essay at the time. And he won from the entire country. He won and they, they, they flew him to, um, you, you know, in those days, I, wait, did he fly or take a ship? I don't know. But anyway, yeah. he ended up in the United States. Um, where he got interviewed amongst Philippine, uh, uh, somebody from Philippines, Nigeria, yeah. and they talked about race relations for a few, you know, he won a few times. And so if you go online and you look up doc, Dr. Alfred Bannerman, yeah. you're going to see those interviews. And he was talking about race issues and the stuff he talked about in, in 19, 1956. It's still relevant today. Really? <laughs> Man. So uh, uh, it's, uh, just to say that for a guy like that who who was who grew up in the fifties, went to Germany, went to Germany, yeah, went to Germany, did medical school in Germany, yep. worked in the United States for many decades, yeah, retired back home in Ghana in a magnificent home, yeah. and is living the best life. So yes, yeah. very cool. The the answer is yes. Yeah, no, that that's great, and it's again, it, it's 
that was one of the reasons why. And of course, when it's the four of us uh, with our wives around the table, that's not the time to, to get into it. Although I would love to. Um, no, that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about this stuff because it's fascinating. And it's, it, it, and you can pick anywhere on earth and it's uh, what you get on television is nothing. It's a snippet. Yeah, it's a snippet. It's a snippet. And I, it's usually in, incorrect. Absolutely. With a narrative behind it. Absolutely. An yeah. agenda. Yeah. I, I went to um, an example of what you're saying is when I visited Israel, you know, I, I you know, they say the Gaza Strip and there's fighting and, and I got to Tel Aviv and I'm like, I don't see anybody fighting. Everybody, everybody's minding their business, having a great time. Yeah. Food is great. I went to Jerusalem and the Gaza Strip is a wall. <laughs> it's one wall. Yeah. where all the fighting happens but here when you when they have the fighting they show you that and you're like oh my god yeah. the country is, is fighting you know but is it and it's the same everywhere you know it's it, you get a snippet which is why i like traveling because when you travel you are learning by experience yeah. and 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 that's that's the best way to learn yeah um all right so let's uh so give me that, give me that, your, um, your nonprofit again. What's that? What's the email? So the non, or, I'm sorry, the website. yeah, the nonprofit is Yeloto, Y-E-L-O-T-O, Yeloto.org, it's okay. 501C. And people, if they want to, can go on there, they can donate funds, they can help out. If, 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 if you want to join us on the journey, um, yes, there are contacts there. You can reach them and we can all go to Africa and make a difference in some people's lives. Very cool. You know, it's, it's, it's cool. There, uh, uh, there's a couple of professional football players now that are from Africa and they talk about going back. And I think one of them, I think his mother still lives over there. So it's, yeah, but he's going back and he's, he's obviously bringing the press with him to show what's going on over there. It's, I tell you, Brian, um, there's nothing more satisfying, selfishly, going back to a place where you know you're from and being able to make a difference, yeah. which, um, you know, a lot of things we take for granted, but you'd be surprised how far your money would go yeah. if you went and you wanted to make a big difference, you know, so... Again, I always say it's selfish, but I'm not taking that for granted. You know, the fact that I'm able to do something like yeah. that, it's, yeah. it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. In, your, in your view, what is going to look like in 10 years? Oh, my God. In 10 years, those that haven't been to Ghana would not recognize Ghana. Not only physically, but just the mindset of people, the industrialization. Yeah the digitization, the real estate, the economy. Um, Brian, I go to Ghana. I used to go to Ghana every year. I don't go for two years. There are places that I don't recognize anymore. <laughs> Roads have changed. That fast. Yeah. There's rapid development. Yeah. And is that, excuse me for interrupting, is that, is that uh, internal stuff or is that international kind of aid coming in to help out what is it is it are the Ghanaians starting to take over that in terms of directing their their uh, future it's both okay there's both international money coming in for instance i think 
$1.2 billion of remittances from family members went into Ghana, I think, last year. Or last oh, so, so family members that live outside of Ghana, that money, they, they were bringing money back. Wow. Yes. $1.2 Yes. Jesus. Right. Okay. So, and, you know, I mean, like I said before, we are such an ad educative, educated administrative class. So yeah. if you went to a lot of the professional schools, the doctors, you know, medical schools and, and law schools and, and, and business schools, there's always a Ghanaian in there somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think at one point in time, I think we were number two in terms of immigrants and how successful we were. Really? In, in, in the United States. Yeah. Okay, so the point I'm making is um, in 10 years, if, you haven't, if you're not visiting Ghana, you're going to miss out on the development and you will not recognize your home. It will be unfortunate that somebody else will be selling you something for an enormous amount of price because yeah. you didn't catch the wave when it's, it's developing so rapidly the roads, the trains, and anytime a country is developing, it's an opportunity for business yep. Yep. and private and private enterprise. Yeah. And Which so is where you, you and your family come in, the capitalists. Yeah. In that, yeah. In yeah. That. I mean, I'm, you look, I'm, I'm, a, I, 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 I like to say, I, I want to be called a socially responsible capitalist, you know, hey, brother. and so, and, and nothing big, you know, I, I try to get a, um, finish my home. Um, try to get a couple of apartments I can rent, rent, and mostly to try to help the kids out in terms of generational legacy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'll, in a few years, you know, eight, 10 years, maybe 15 years, I want to be able to sit in Ghana and be like, Brian, just come and let's hang out. And I don't want to be working. I just want to be relaxing mm -hmm. and entertaining folks like you to explore the country. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where I want to be, you know, but I, I, I want to be, you know, enjoying that aspect. Yeah. You know? Dude, I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. So uh to to round it out, um what for the people out there that are just learning about it like me, yes. give me sort of what your when you pitch Ghana, what's what are you telling people? Ghana is one of the peaceful countries in in, in Africa, number one. Number two is the gateway to Africa. Number three, we speak English, which is help, very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, number four, there are lots of opportunities, investment opportunities. If, you know, there was a guy I was watching on YouTube who came from England who said, who was who, well-to-do IT engineer and he came to Ghana and built a 60-room hostel in the Ashanti region. Yep. He's 26 years old. That's awesome. That's impossible to achieve in the Western world. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, loans and all, you yep. know what I'm saying? So yep. the, the point I'm trying to make is as long as you have an open, I'm not saying that a country is perfect, but as long as you do have patience or even partner up with a Ghanaian down there, so even if you don't want to move down there, if you partner up with somebody down there, you could be anywhere you are making some money, having a place where you could go and have a vacation. And then the beaches are beautiful. We, really? have, oh, we have beautiful beaches, man. Nice. You know, so overall, a great country. Um, 
it's open to the world, very peaceful. Come and, and we'll have a great time. I love it. All right, real quick, I, I want to something. And uh, uh, I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, so when we were in South Africa several years ago, we went to um, to like the the uh, the oh, I forgot what they call them the townships or the, the ghettos basically. Yeah, Soweto. Yeah, and uh, and so from Cape Town they bust us in because one of the families in the middle of this Soweto Soweto, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, yeah, had opened a basically a restaurant. Yeah, and so they would bust tourists in to have dinner there, and yes. it was awesome absolutely it was awesome because it okay uh sorry folks i my dog stay in the studio <laughs> when i'm when i'm recording and i apologize about that yeah. um what was amazing about that was that's the shit that everyone says that's what makes it horrible that's crazy over there and then there was this right in the middle of it there's this family this woman in particular uh just trying to make it happen and she hired locals locals yeah. to help you know, park the cars and all Absolutely. this stuff it was just awesome yeah is that stuff happening in in ghana as well 100 yeah. when you have a developing country what you realize is that entrepreneurship even though at baseline um being an entrepreneur is being creative but your creativity is moved up a hundred at a hundred yeah. notches up yeah. because you're getting labor for cheap yeah. And so things that you would not be able to afford to do here, yeah. you're able to do over there. And I mean, yeah, myself, there's so many places I like to take my kids to in Ghana. We haven't explored so much. I mean, we've been to several places, but there's so much, so much to do just within Ghana itself, yeah. you know, and, and that would be my dream to just, you know, explore the country. It's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. So two points in that, what I'm, what you just were saying one is uh human beings regardless of what color they are how absolutely. big tall, small they are yeah, that entrepreneurial gene absolutely will come out eventually absolutely and regardless of what people think about the united states i think this is the perfect place to do that but when you see it happening in places where it's not as open as the united states you're like this is unfucking believable. Yes, uh, absolutely, and and you know the United States has been emulated all over the world. Yeah. But what is important is with that emulation, they've taken it to another level because, again, when you're developing, you could be more creative. And when you're you starting have from the ground floor too, so the right, sky's the limit. Right. When you have a structure in place, yeah. and rules in place, you can't. You know, it's a structure. Yeah. But now, when you don't really have a strong structure. You are the structure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you make your destiny. And you absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, G Ghana, make come to Ghana and make your own destiny. That's that's a good way. Boom. There you go. Last question is: um, so on a map, it looks like there's a ton of water, a lot of rivers, a lot of huge lakes. It looks like the whole center of the country is waterways. Is there like the typical? african bush where you go out and you see the lions and is there like you don't go on safari in ghana yeah ghana ghana i mean i'm sure no i mean yeah. they, are, they are animals not not lions that's on the east coast and the south coast okay. of, of africa okay but we have a guy who is um i think his name is cheddar 
this is one of the well one of the wealthy guys you know he's of self i don't know if he's self-made but he's wealthy he's rich i don't know if he's wealthy he's made, he's rich. whether self or otherwise right but he he recently caused some controversy because he's trying to explore the wildlife nature in ghana and brought two lions or tigers i'm not sure which oh, is into the environment that they're not naturally so he brought them to ghana and basically he is trying to raise them and then open up a tourism Jesus. for for um yeah. for wildlife yeah. which i think is genius you know the area the area people In were saying kind of a bizarre the, way the, well it's bizarre but again when you think of entrepreneurship true, as long true. as it's done safely yeah. It's all good. I love it. You know? I love it. Um, <laughs> hey, and by the way, Rwanda, I think that's the country where the uh, gorillas are, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the I, black apes. Yeah. I think I. The black gorillas. Sorry. I would really want to talk to you about going there and. Well, yeah. we're talking about it now. What, what, yeah. what else you got to say? All you, gotta, all you gotta all you got to say is, are we going Christian? Okay, we going. Well, no, let's I, buy tickets I, and let's go. I, see, I have to negotiate with Christian about whether or not I'm getting a first class ticket on the plane. All right, sweetheart. <laughs> Me too, my sweetheart. I already told you it's eight to the twelfth, and um, <laughs> uh, there's no way I'm not going. Uh, you know how much I like Africa. You know how much I like helping people. So I love it. Um, and and um, Mimi, if you're listening to this, I would very much love for Brian to be there. Um, that'll be great. I, I think in a few years, Yaloto is going to be doing something where um, spouses of most of the um, the main guys will be able to come. So hopefully we can get everybody on board. Well, what I'm thinking is we go do that in Rwanda and then she comes over and we go and see the, uh, the gorillas. So that works right. out. My friend, this is awesome. I'm glad. What do you think? How, how'd it go? Hey, man, you know me, man. I like to flow. I love it. With with a whiskey, with a with a juice. I call this brain juice. Yeah, and and you know what? We were Cheers. talking some serious. Uh, Africa is one of those things that nobody really understands in the United States, and so it's good to get boots on the ground perspective on what's going on over there. And and I think it's awesome, man. So thank you very much for your time. Absolutely, I'll tell you one thing: you would fall in love if you came to Ghana you'd fall in love 100%. I'm assuming you're talking about the country and not. <laughs> you would fall in love with just the people gotcha. and the vibe, okay. the vibe. The, it. the, it's, I don't want to get myself in trouble. No, 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 okay. you, no, you, no, no, we don't, we don't do that, man. We don't, we don't like trouble. <laughs> exactly. We are peaceful, exactly. nice people. I love it. Yeah. So, All well, right. you know, I really appreciate you for, um, for, granted me this interview um if you may permit i had this that i usually wear but because you granted me this interview i'd like to present it to you it's just a a little bracelet that uh you could rock you know maybe if it gets you an african uh, oh, i'm not a bracelet a, a, a chain but if you you know if you just rock it or something it might be i wasn't sure if it's gonna fit you I used to rock it, but um, at least something to show that you represented, uh, you know, one day when I get you an African shirt, um, you'll be able to rock that and and hopefully, um, hopefully you like it, man. I love it, Christian. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome. Thank man. you. All right, guys. Uh, Christian Bannerman, Ghana, Africa.
a modern perspective on a up and coming country. I love it, brother. It's arrived. <laughs> there you go. It is arrived. Awesome. Yes. Hey guys, it's the rain man. One last thing. If you're in the military, police departments, fire departments, or first responders, if that's you out there, stay safe. Thank you for your service. Christian Bannerin. Yes. I want to second that. I work for the VA and I also want to second that. Um, thank you for your service. Be safe out there. And um, I love you, kids, my wife, and I love you too, bro. Perfect. Thank you. I'll do Appreciate this. Awesome. You. Okay. All right, guys, it's the Rain Man. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching Rain Man's Take Observations of the World We Live in. If you like the content, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. You can also follow Rain Man's Take on Instagram at Rain Man's Take. Also, check out our website at www.rainmanstakepodcast.com and send your comments to rainmanstake at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for future podcasts, which will be coming out every Thursday at 5 p.m. West Coast time.